Welcome to episode 10 of the Rosenthal and Jesselnick Vanity Project. RJVP. Where old acquaintances are never forgotten. Ripped open, they died. With the final breath, they hailed the king. The king of kings. Oh, yeah. We're back. Uh. We're here after uh, the Christmas holiday, a few days before New Year's. Anthony, we keep trucking. Best time of year. I don't know. Is it the best time of year? Uh, not at all. It's uh, it's kind of <laughs> like everything's kind of dead. It's kind of slow. It's a good time for movies, good time to catch up with family and friends. Uh, so it's my least favorite time <laughs> of the year uh, by a mile. We get to um, catch up. You know, we had that birthday dinner we talked about and then a little Christmas action. Yeah, we did get to uh, we got to hang on uh, on Christmas birthday dinner. Did we talk? We talked about birthday. We dinner. talked about the birthday because dinner. it was afterwards. Uh, I'm in a much better shape this week than I was last week. I've not drank since Christmas Day. Mm, that's uh, I, I had like a, I had like a four or five day bender that was rough that ended uh, shortly after I saw you on Christmas Day. I went to uh, I went to Greg's house to have a little Christmas brunch with uh, with his wife Emika and the, and the kids Walker and uh, and Ellis give them their Christmas presents let them unwrap them hang out uh, the first time I ever got a hug from your daughter yeah that was, I was big I was, uh, I was very excited about she gave me a present which was a uh, I still have it it's one of my favorite things it's a um, she called it a telescope it is a uh, toilet paper roll <laughs> <laughs> that uh, no toilet paper on it. It's been it's been emptied, and then she painted it and put a couple stickers on it. And it's a telescope. Which it was, I, I, it was all her idea. She came up with the whole concept. I was very excited about it. Uh, <laughs> I was very happy she gave me a present. I did not get you guys a present. I didn't get either one of you a present, even though you guys gave me a bottle of wine and a book, uh, which was very nice of you. Well, that was yeah. It was more your birthday Christmas combo. I felt a little left out when some people gave you some stuff for your birthday at your birthday dinner. But yeah, it, it was funny. We were talking last night about uh, this show, and you were like. Yeah, I didn't even realize that at the time, but I, I was in pretty rough shape at <laughs> at Christmas. I was, I was like, no, you, you realized that you mentioned it incessantly, and it was very obvious how rough shape you were in. Like when you got there, you just looked like absolute hell and yes. and uh, did not have a lot of energy. But uh, we, you know, we put some Prosecco in you, and you started livening up by the time you left. Yeah, I got a little better. I got uh, I ate like one piece of uh, your wife's quiche, which was delicious, uh, but I couldn't get any more than that. And then I went to my friend Camille's house and just drank whiskey all all evening, and like I barely ate at the end of the night. We like, had a couple pieces of pizza, but was just just in rough shape after a nice uh, nice four day bender. I, at my age now, at thirty seven, I can't I can't do it. But you seem still. to do it. You seem to do it every now and then. And this one sort of made sense. You had your birthday. And then there was kind of Christmas parties for you and back-to-back days after your birthday, and then it's Christmas, which, you know, of course you got to party on Christmas, I guess. Of course. I mean, that's, why, that's why Jesus was born, <laughs> to party. Uh, you got to fight for your right, as Jesus did for uh, 33 years before they took cut him off. Um, no, it was, a fun, uh, it was a fun Christmas day. I had a good time. I wanted to ask you, do Ella, does Ellis play with the puppets I got her? Sort of. Well, we play with them a little bit, and they really like it when we when we play with them. Walker loves it. You Walker, saw yeah. you saw that. Yeah, like Walker he, enjoyed it. I, but I wanted her to be able to like tell stories with the puppets. Your daughter likes to tell stories. She likes to talk to herself. I thought yeah. maybe these puppets will help her kind of visualize these stories. But I think they might be too big for her. So, well, no, I think she'll get into it. Sometimes it takes a little time. Yeah. I mean, he, it livens up his day. He's been very sick, uh, and she likes playing with it to him to make him laugh. So that's very that's very cute. Yeah, that uh, that's great. And she does speak, talk to herself for at least two hours I alone know. every night. I know, which is strange. 
I don't think it's strange. I think it's good. I think she's going to be a uh, hell of an artist someday. Definitely much more uh, than her father. Um, <laughs> w- w- speaking of Greg's art, uh, before I left, I was there for a couple hours. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to go uh, start the real drinking. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, take some pictures of me with the God oh, yeah. Christmas Day. And Greg took a bunch of photos. It's hard to kind of get two kids to sit on the couch uh, together uh, with me. Greg took a bunch of photos. And then we looked at them. And uh, they all had one thing in common. Uh, I did not have a head in any of them. I don't know how you could stand. Well, you had a head. It sometimes just the forehead. Yeah, sometimes you didn't have a head, but the others just the for the forehead hair was up. Anthony, this will shock you, Brandon, was very upset about this that any photos were taken of him that didn't include his prized hair. What I'm upset about is that you could stand four feet away and have three people in a picture and completely eliminate one. Well, I was trying to make the I. You know, rookie move mistake, I guess. I was trying to make the kids laugh. You know, make you know. I wasn't really looking at the camera. I was, you know, trying to look at the look at the kids, get them to look at my direction because uh, they were clearly uncomfortable around you. So I was trying to make them a little more comfortable. Well, not looking into the camera <laughs> is not a rookie mistake. That's uh, just a huge mistake. <laughs> Great photographer. Great photographer. Right. right there. All right. That's Brandon, our producer, uh, coming in for no reason. Um, <laughs> I was actually introduced about thirty seconds ago. That's yeah, true. You're okay. not listening to anyone. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, I've cut Brandon's head off uh, metaphorically in my head. Um, speaking of cut, let's go into what was cut from last week. What was cut? Uh, we had a couple things that have been cut several times. Uh, I'm going to try to get through it this week. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we had a song that we played that had a lot of children singing like a children's chorus. And I, I made a joke about Goodell gathering the children in a room I don't even know what I said, but I think just getting Goodell and kids in a room together, something happened where it had to get cut and then got cut again. We'll see what happens this week. And then uh, we talked about the song, uh, my least favorite song of all time, 59 Miles to Jacksonville. (laughs) Um, 59 Miles to Jacksonville, a a terrible song, a terrible terrible sign to see. Uh, 59 Miles to Jacksonville. So bad. I made a joke about the, the commissioner producing that track. And that the woman who got the job must have had, must have done some uh, with the mm. in order to get that job. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. We might be talking about that again next week. Uh, Greg, uh, Greg messed up. Greg um, talked about uh, an, an NFL employee uh, who had stabbed someone with scissors. Uh, in his past, uh, which is kind of a public story, but since it's kind of a uh, professional courtesy, yeah. we uh, we took it out. Um, and then this was my favorite cut of the week because this was a midweek cut. If you heard the podcast maybe day of, maybe a couple of days in, you heard this joke. And if you listen to it later on, you're listening to it later, you, this was taken out. Or if, even if you download it later. I did not get this call until Monday afternoon. Yeah, it was... Uh, Five days It later. took out... I, I, I talked about... Um, we, we had played a lot of xylophone last week, and I said that Goodell, with his xylophone, had uh, scored the movie Concussion. And then I joked that he also scored... Um, uh, <laughs> which is <good. laughs> You just said the same joke again. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's a description of uh, one of the players in the movie Concussion who passed away. Edited for Mama Say, Mama Suck. I don't know if that would um, <laughs> helps anything. It was one of my favorite jokes of this entire podcast. Yeah, it was a good one. It was an off-the-cuff uh, reference, um, which I'm known for. Uh, it was good, and that, that was what was cut. But it, it's an interesting time here at, at the uh, Rosenthal and Jessel McVanity Project. RJVP. In that uh, the season's uh, almost over, which means you only have like four or five weeks to try to convince me 
to do this again next year. Oh, uh, it's week ten. Well, what about the off season? I mean, we could go straight through in February. You, people keep March. saying that. There's no way you're going to get me to do that. There's no <laughs> way you're going to get me to come in here in the off season. This is this, this is a lot of work for someone like me. When I say someone like me, I mean like a star. Um, I don't feel really appreciated by the NFL, and I think that's part of the that's part of what we do here is we want to fly under the radar. Yeah. Um, but also, like you know, it's when I whenever I come into the lot, it's not like they know who I. So I don't get treated the way I usually get treated when I show up to work. No, they uh, they harass you. They they never no matter what I do ahead of time, they they seem like they won't have a spot for you or whatever. And the NFL <laughs> did not get me uh, did not get me a birthday or a Christmas present. <laughs> They didn't get me anything. They don't even, don't even acknowledge that I come in here and lay it all on the line as if I was one of the players, as if I was one of the best players in the league. They couldn't have gotten me a football. <laughs> you, they couldn't have gotten me like a T-shirt with a logo on it. Like I yeah. see those commercials where they're sending around jerseys to everyone who ever moved. And uh, and I don't get anything. Yeah, they have days where they just have free merch. Brandon's probably seen that, and there's people pass around some free merchandise. You would think, you know, some old like Rich Eisen podcast sweatshirts or whatnot. I mean, sure. so, something exciting like that. Anything. I mean, if they just handed me a football and was like, "Here, <laughs> here's a football," I would have been like, "Oh, cool!" Like, thank you for just knowing that I'm here. That uh, that we'll see. We'll see if I come back next year. But there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time for me to either quit uh, the show to get canceled, or for you guys to convince me. That uh, maybe maybe come in in the off season, th- that would be crazy. That would they'd have to uh, that something big would have to change. We all have to step our game up. I think Brandon, that's included. Well, he knows that because Sydney's been hot on his uh, trails. Absolutely, as, as a producer. And I even I'm even feeling a little bit of a pressure. This was one of the worries I had going into this. Could it could it be uh, a strain on our own friendship? Because now I'm trying to make you happy as a coworker, and you're a very you know demanding uh, star. That's impossible. I would never. Uh, not that I'm de- not demanding. Uh, I'm de- as I'm as undemanding as a star can be. Like people are very. I'm gracious uh, when I work with people. Um, compared to what is out there, there's. If you switched me out with any other comedian or, or performer of my level of fame, it would be a, mm. a nightmare in here. Uh, but our friendship would never be affected uh, by any yeah, of this. I'm but I would happily, of course. But I would happily uh, walk away from this and never look back <laughs> or remember it. Uh, let's get to headlines. Never die for the whooping of the crippin' pick a side death rope till they put you in the pick and shoot a fry. That's life. Three strikes, that's life. That was Vince Staples, uh, one of the hot new uh, up-and-coming hip-hop acts. I've been a big fan of his for a year or two now. Was downloading some mixtapes. I met a woman mm. at a Christmas Eve party, and I said, what do you do? And she said, I, I make things. <laughs> I, uh, I make... Uh, you already told me this. Yeah, she goes, I, ma- I make things. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, people in LA say, I make things. I'm like, are you an engineer? Are you an artist? That's, the most, that's the most ridiculous... Uh, I don't know what the word for it is. Obnoxious... It's a description of a little bit of, pretentious, of, but it, pretentious. it's, it's a way to kind of it. get get away without saying like I make I make films, but I'm not doing exactly what I want to be doing. Mm. Like if you sit next to me on a plane, I would never tell you I was a comedian. I would just make something up um, because if you tell someone you're a comedian, they're like, "Oh, my cousin does improv." Or like, "Oh, oh, you have ever done this?" Or what about? Oh, I don't want to deal with that conversation at all. See, I tell so I, I tell my right football, but I'm never sick of talking about football. Then people will just start talking about football and. That's yeah, fine with me. That's much better. That's much better for you. I just tell people that I'm a child mortician. Um, <laughs> uh, but she said she worked She worked with uh, Edward Staples, uh, this new hip-hop rapper. She They did a movie with him, and I was like, do you mean Vince Staples? And she's like, oh, my God. I called him Edward Staples for the entire shoot. I was like, well, that's why you make things. Nice woman. <laughs> it was really hard, by the way, to find, because uh, I just got that, that album on your recommendation, and it's great. Uh, and uh, it's very hard to find even a nine-second clip without uh, an N-bomb or some swears or whatever. But 
I found one. It's That's his album. Bunker. His original mixtape, when his, the first mixtape he came out with, uh, was one of my favorites. I'll have to bring that in. We'll play some jams. So let's talk uh, a little headlines. We have to start we, you know, with the uh, elephant in the room, the big, fat, steaming turd that the Steelers put on the field last week uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, the Ratbirds. Really, their arch rival, the worst Ravens season in, I think, forever. And somehow the Ravens are going to come out of this season feeling pretty good because they swept your Steelers, possibly knocking them out of the playoffs. Mike Tomlin said Tuesday, the Steelers this week, they need to get the stench off of them after that big loss to Ryan Mallett and the Ravens. Yeah, I wish you didn't sound as happy as you do. Um, it doesn't baffle me. Like I, I like I, the Steelers I, fine. I'm not against the Steelers. You're absolutely but, against it. But I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that you're – yeah, I guess I'm enjoying There was a lot of glee there. Yeah, it, totally. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, but I would think that if Greg and I weren't friends, you would like the Steelers more. Like there's something – I do like the Steelers. There's something that – no, you've always hated them. That's, see, that's not true. I'm a big Ben Roethlisberger fan. Um out of these teams, I certainly would rather see them in over the Jets. I like them fine. Plus, plus the Patriots have kind of had their number, anyways. But uh, sure, you're, well, you're right. I it still gives me some happiness. I'll let you. Talk. Well, yeah. I mean, I know Ben won you over off the field, but uh, <laughs> the Steelers lost to the Ravens. It's it, they're a nemesis. I mean, I hate them more than any other team, but I could respect them because they always do this to us. And the Steelers always kind of fold down the stretch. You kind of hope you're in position for a one seed, so you only fall down to like a four seed before the playoffs. For them, like the fact that we were like hanging on to six, I knew it spelled trouble with these two games. We always do this. We can't be hanging around hoping for a six. We're going to blow a late game, at least one. And Baltimore, again, is our nemesis. They're just built to beat us, no matter how bad they are. You know, they have an awful season. Like They're still just looking at us on the schedule the entire year. And that AFC North is so tough. This week against Cleveland, I'm worried about. Mm. You know, it's like Boston College playing Notre Dame at the end of every season of college football. Notre Dame will be undefeated, and BC will be like 4-7, and seven, and BC will still win. Like, there's no way BC should ever win, but those dorks are like 500 against the Irish. I hate it. But the Ravens this year, these weren't even the Ravens. This was literally a guy who we were making fun of a few weeks ago because he couldn't show up to a plane on time and made up some nonsense traffic excuse. Ryan Mallett has barely been on the team. Throwing to other guys like Chris Givens, who's barely been on the team. I went through their offensive roster, and I think five or six of you know their main guys in that game were literally not on the team in September. So it's just this wacky team that John Harbaugh's put together and somehow the Steelers blew it. And I put it more on the Steelers than giving the Ravens too much credit because Mike Tomlin does this every year. I mean, you you mentioned it. The Ravens, uh, looking back in 2013, they lost to the Vikings and the Raiders who had four and five wins respectively, didn't make the playoffs. Uh, In 2012, they lost to a, a number of bad teams. For some reason, the Steelers always beat the good teams like they just did with the Bengals and the Broncos, and then they blow it. They get overconfident, maybe too much celebration on the sidelines from their coaches or something, and they lose to the terrible teams. That's th- That was a very underhanded dig. Uh, I don't appreciate it. Uh, I think it's just the way the NFL is. I mean, things but are But so the Steelers, tough. it happens yeah. more. Under the Mike Tomlin Steelers, there's something to it. And uh, they ac- we actually talked with Ike Taylor about it when it was happening on Sunday, because I was on this uh, NFL Now show, and he was just like, it's been happening since Cower was there. Like, we always lose to the bad teams. I don't know what it is. And I think it's just, they're always like a cocky sort of confident team. They don't stay maybe super grounded. So what, right when it's at the point where everything looks great, it's like they kind of slip up. 
I don't know if I agree with that because I mean you can't get I mean, they're only 16 games in a season. Yeah, you got to get up for every one of them. And the Steelers hate the Ravens. They wanted to beat the Ravens at home. They wanted to embarrass them, and then it just fell apart. Like, I, but I agree with you. We're much better against good teams than we are against uh, against the the bottom feeders, which is tough. But I almost I would rather I'd rather be that than be a team that could only win against the worst teams. You know, I'd rather be a team that that was amazing against the best of the best, but would fold sometimes. You know, we'll see. I mean, your team. Yeah. Your team didn't exactly uh, help us out this week either. You've been trying to tie me to the balco. Too many clicks in the Dow tone. How my city's Willie Falcon. I was Pusha T talking about trying to find a lyric, uh, 10 seconds of a song without, a, without <laughs> uh, something uh, objectionable. That's a Pusha T. Uh, the song is called FIFA, my favorite song from his new album, which is a great album, one of my favorite hip-hop albums of the year. Check out Pusha T. Yeah, and we're allowed by the NFL to play two songs uh, every show, up to 10, 15 seconds, something like that, 10 seconds. 10 seconds. And then after that, that's it. And so the rest of the show, we're going to have NFL-licensed, NFL-commercially-viable uh, music produced by uh, Roger Goodell. Produced by Goodell, for Goodell. Uh, and Brandon has picked that for us. We don't know what he's going to play, but he'll be playing that for the rest of the episode. Edited for Big Willie style, all in it. You know, I still have the love of football, but I, you know, I'm not quite as up and down like as I used to be as as a Patriots fan. Like the good, the, the big games, yes, but a little bit of it, it's a little less. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I've noticed that a lot of your passion has died out since you've gotten married. <laughs> what is Christmas? Christmas is for caring. What is Christmas? Christmas is for sharing. <laughs> what is Christmas? Can't you guess? Christmas is for. I, mean, I wish I had that. I mean, of course, that was Roger Goodell and uh, and a couple kids, random kids off the street. Uh, Goodell was singing uh, Christmas carols. He loves Christmas carols, even though he is very Jewish. Um, uh, <laughs> Not true. I, I should have said. I should have said. Couldn't that, be uh, less Jewish. Uh, come on, with that hair. He should have said. I should have said no Christmas music after Christmas. But we're gonna. I'm. I'm I got a feeling we're gonna have a lot of Christmas music coming up. Um, when when you don't give. Uh, Brandon, any lines to color? You know, in between, he's just gonna go crazy. Yeah. See, I thought that Anthony would go a different way. I thought Anthony was gonna be like, "Hey, he just did that on Christmas. He was feeling the Christmas spirit mm. and decided to actually make that on Christmas." You thought that I would think that you were like getting ahead of the curve, and on Christmas Day, you started putting together music for the podcast next week. That Goodell was putting it together. No, that Goodell Christmas. was making it. Oh, I thought because that sounds like Goodell. Like, like it sounds like Goodell's earlier stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was kind of Does more it, of a crowd pleaser. Yeah, because he's gotten more yeah. experimental, as we'll see, I think, later on in the show. Um, you might but- be surprised. <laughs> I'm, I'm very well could be. Uh, what's the next headline, Greg? Yeah, we've been talking, and I like it. Uh, really, to start the day, it's like we're having real football talk, which is a little different. Usually we just kind of pick these wacky stories and – you're making jokes, but you know we've been talking some real AFC playoff picture. Oh, sure. One of the reasons I've gotten sick of this. Yes, yeah, Steelers. Steelers, of course, need uh, some help to get into the playoffs this week. But now let's switch gears to, to some of those weird stories like last week. Uh, one of my favorite stories was Johnny Hecker, the Rams punter, took a cheap shot against uh, one of the best passers in the league, Cliff Avril, uh, on a special teams play. Uh, Avril wasn't looking after... Hecker punted. He just kind of shoulders him and, tough. and knocks him down and tries to be tough. And then Avril uh, then kind of goes back at him. And Hecker on another play. Next, yes. next time, next time Hecker went out. Well, the- but even on that play, Avril starts running after him immediately, and Hecker cowers yeah. down. And then on the next play that Hecker is down there, Avril 
He goes after Hecker a little bit, has him just fall on the ground afraid, and another one of his teammates, Michael Bennett, who's even bigger, goes yeah, after him a, a little. Got a huge Michael Bennett, and Bennett just stands there. Bennett just kind of walks up as if, like, you know what could happen. I mean, Bennett must have been dying laughing. Afterwards, the quote was that they said that, uh, I got it here, they said that he squealed like a little girl. <laughs> When he fell to the ground, uh, what a, a, so funny! Uh, Hecker is a great name for a punter. I love when punters when they when they get tough with cheap shots. It's lame. If a punter makes like an awesome hit on like a kickback, it's it's always pretty. But cool. But these aren't even like it wasn't like he's really going after him with a cheap shot. It was just kind of like pushing him from behind. And like if you get pushed by anyone from yeah. behind out of the blue, you're not expecting you're gonna fall down. He he's not even really going at him. It's I mean, just, not me. I've got a, my center of gravity is insane. No one could ever <laughs> knock me down. Uh, but this reminded me of my favorite punter story of all time. Craig, I'm going to take you all the way back to 1996. Tell you the legend, the legend of a Pittsburgh uh, master of punting (laughs) named Josh Miller, who uh, started playing for the Steelers in 96. The the Steelers punter won the hearts of the city by getting in so many fights in one game that he actually lost money against the Oilers in Pittsburgh. I don't know if anyone remembers this. You can look it up. He got fined more than his game check, you're saying. Exactly. He got in He got in like three <laughs> fights in the game. Never got kicked out, but got fined. Like, the, the, got hit with like two or three fines after yeah. the game and lost money. And when Steelers, people, Steelers fans found that out, they worshipped him for that because we didn't know it was possible. We didn't know you could <laughs> play the game and lose money playing it. That we loved him for like four or five years. When they lost him, we were like, what the hell? But it's like, he's a punter. Who cares? Wasn't he... Did he have a... You might think of another punter. Did he have a drinking problem? You're thinking of Jeff Reed. Our oh, kicker. yeah. Our that's right. I'm sure many He had a lot of crazy uh, things going on, too. What is it with uh, the Pittsburgh punters and kickers? It's just I think wacky. It's special teams, man. They don't care. Johnny, Johnny Hecker, though, it cracks me up. Someone went back and looked, and he's done this again and again. He's gone after... Uh, like a Saints defender in 2013. He went after one of the Ravens players. Like, this is his thing, is taking little cheap shots. And the Ravens actually responded uh, with a tweet saying, like, oh, I guess he got you too, Cliff Averill, pointing out that he did it to one of their safeties earlier in this year. I don't know why Johnny Hecker thinks he can get away with this, that week after week this punter is just pushing down bigger players. And then and – then, doesn't have the presence of mind to do anything but literally cower in fear. Like, what did he expect was going to happen? Thinks he gets, I think he gets caught up in the moment. He gets tough. I'm sure Jeff Fish is pumping him up on the sidelines. You know, their defensive coordinators being like, hey, do anything you can that's illegal on the field. And, uh, and, uh, and he gets too pumped up. But then when it, the, the reality faces him down, mm. you know what I mean? It's like you talk a big game against me. But if I actually stood up, if I stood up and slapped yeah. the microphone away from your face, you'd be crying like a little girl. was, again, Roger Goodell with the Roger Goodell Orchestra. And when I say the Roger Goodell Orchestra, what I mean is, I don't know how the, the technical term in music, but it's called layering, where he's actually playing all the instruments in the orchestra and mm. singing all the parts. He doesn't just sing alto and baritone and the other ones. Uh, I think there are four of them. Uh, he sings them all, but he just lays them down on loops and kind of puts it together. He's he more of a studio guy than really, because that's tough to pull off live. You don't want to see him live. Yeah, do not want to see him live. It's 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 a little dicey. It's like going to see. Uh, it's like going to see Morrissey. You never know what. He could be a great show. He could be a little moody. But that is a uh, that is a good song. Uh, next is another big one of the big stories of the week. Not a goofy one, uh, but we're gonna make it goofy. Peyton Manning mm. is furious and disgusted 
over reports of HGH use. Yeah, Al Jazeera America did an undercover probe, which posted on Sunday their entire documentary, although Huffington Post kind of got a, a lead on it. They watched it early, and on Saturday night, they, they posted really a recap of what you know was in this report. Now, Peyton Manning really wasn't that big of a part of the documentary. It was a very small part, but he has the big name, and HGH is involved, and that's what you know people really latched onto. And a, a, as part of it, uh, there was essentially accusations from a, a guy that worked at this clinic that he had been sending HGH um, to the Manning's house to Ashley Manning, Peyton Manning's wife. And so that was the reason, you know, within 12 hours of this coming out, Peyton Manning is on ESPN with a furrowed brow in a long interview, getting very upset uh, about the allegations. There were statements from Manning and the Broncos and the Colts for some reason and you know, all sorts of people. Ari Fleischer, this big PR executive type, uh, was releasing statements for Peyton Manning. And uh, the, the stories died away a little bit. His reaction, though, was very was very strange. And the whole story with his wife being involved is strange. I think it's a little strange. The wife thing makes sense to me. You know, and, and we'll get to Peyton's interview in a second. The, the wife thing to me, it always creeps me out when you see the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And they always do a section where it's players and their wives. Like, it'll be a player in a swimsuit and his wife in a bikini. And the wife is always jacked. <laughs> like, prison yard jacked. And it's because of HGH. Like, HGH is a big thing in the world. Do they still do that anymore? Oh, I don't know. I it was Mark McGuire is, was one with his wife. I remember sure, that one. I remember, uh, I remember uh, Roger Clemens and his wife. And his wife had, like, <laughs> like, these abs that were bigger than anyone's biceps. It was crazy. And I think that, like, actors will use it. Like, Tom Cruise will use HGH to get ready for a role. Uh, Sylvester Stallone will use it all the time to get ready for stuff. So actors will use it. And I think if you're a model, you can. So I will believe, I'll believe that the HGH was going to his wife if she can point out the photo shoot that she used it for. Like, that's what I would believe. Because mm. you look at Peyton Manning, you know that's not HGH. That's sweet, that's sweet, sweet Papa John's. It's <laughs> getting him through. It's getting him through the season. It's not like he was. Remember when he Ray had Lewis, a broken neck at the time, by the way. But he, when he sat out for a year. Exactly. Remember when Ray Lewis came back like like Jesus off the cross from a torn tricep in two weeks in the most like heaven. Like he had HGH written on his helmet and people just let it go because it was the last <laughs> game. It didn't matter at all. Peyton, but here's, Peyton Manning, though, I mean, you wouldn't. That's the thing is I don't think people were, are even that upset because you wouldn't necessarily blame him that much when he's out for a year on four neck surgeries to get a little help to recovery. There's an argument to be made that you should just be allowed to use it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in, in 20 years, it will be totally legal. It'll be like it'll be like cortisone shots. I, I absolutely believe that once they figure out how safe it is. But right now it is cheating. Uh, here's the thing about the interview, though. The interview that he gave to ESPN, which I thought ESPN's journalistic integrity may be a little suspect because the story had just broken, but the documentary hadn't come out. It's not like they showed both sides. They just kind of show pain. Right, all of this was off of what's ultimately like an aggregated report thing. Exactly, like Huffington like Post, which is bizarre. Exactly, it was an article, but it was just someone I, that watched it report writing about it. But his, he was kind of manic in the interview. He was clearly not prepped. You know, he just kept saying the same thing over and over again. Uh, he wasn't prepared. It wasn't like a publicist read a statement, which you, which you can never really believe. But it kind of reminded me of Brady's interview. Right after Deflategate, when he came out, when he he was just seemed kind of like just he seemed bothered. He seemed like he had too much coffee, and some it was clear that someone had told him before you go out, 
wear this hat, Tom Brady? Because he's wearing like a stocking cap with the little pom-pom thing on it. He wears that all the around. time. I know, but it looks ridiculous when you're trying to say, like, <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. That's These true. accusations are baseless. It just looked stupid. But it seemed like maybe this will make you look more casual. So it's like there's something, there's something almost uh, deliberate in how unprepared he was. You, you think Tom Brady went out of his way to look like a 12-year-old kid in a Christmas story to somehow... Uh, I think right before we went this on this one was people. like, Tom, this will help. Put this on. I think... If, if he was wearing... Like if Peyton was wearing like googly-eyed glasses, like it would have been kind of the same thing. <laughs> I think Peyton Manning was almost probably over-prepared. Like, I, I was convinced by him. But then again, you know, the thing that... that got me was he was obviously ready for this and then some because within within minutes practically of that just random blog post going up he had a statement you know we we weren't even going to report on it uh, the NFL media wasn't until Peyton Manning released a statement because we're like we haven't seen anything but suddenly Peyton Manning releases a statement Denver Broncos release a statement Ari Fleischer is in the mix as someone he's hired as a consultant he has this huge interview set up the next morning uh, and, and I think it was all set up that like he was waiting for this to come for weeks and he was ready to just battle it and weirdly that's the thing that makes me think well that that just doesn't make you look as innocent you know what i mean when you're just that ready to just battle it the other thing that really made me laugh was he kept calling uh the guy who made the accusations and then quickly recanted the accusations i mean he's already recanted them they were they were taped on a on a you know he didn't know they were being taped it was you know an undercover operation and he recanted what he alleged but he kept calling the guy over and over a slapstick because he wanted to say slap yeah. But he just decided to change it. And that made me realize this is all planned out. Because you do not just start saying slapstick over and over. He's like, I want to call this guy a slap, but I'm going to call him a slapstick. That doesn't work. He said it five times. But do you think he was with his publicist being like, how about slap? Is that, yes. I've never heard anyone call that in my entire life. That's a football. It's a football word. People love, they call them slappies. I wish he had said slappies. Slappy would have been another if he, thing. If he had called him a jabroni, that would have been great. The reason I, I'm not that worried about the timing of Manning's like apology, and or not apology, but denial, is that if you know two things about Peyton Manning, you know he likes to throw touchdown passes, and he loves Al Jazeera. <laughs> was Roger Goodell. If, you, if you've ever seen Goodell driving, and I mean, the first time I heard that song, I'll, I'll tell a little story. Goodell pulls up. He's bumping that hardcore. I mean, he's got the bass. It, it's, mm. I, I thought he was going to break a window. Mm. You would not believe how many people get out of his car when he finally <laughs> pulled up. I mean, it was it was like a whole roster. Did you recognize them? I didn't recognize any of them. A lot of them looked the same. They were both all they were all wearing makeup. But uh, but one of them uh, one of them was the singer of uh, Fifty Nine Miles to Jacksonville. Uh, let's go. <laughs> this is what you've done to us, NFL. By the way, with this music, <laughs> it's your fault. Uh, Tevin Coleman, the Atlanta Falcons backup running back, got a concussion last week and missed the Falcons game by slipping in the shower which sounds so terrible and uh, and so painful. You know what I mean? I mean, that seems like the worst thing that could possibly ever happen to you in a shower, getting so a concussion. You could not sound older right now. Um, what? Talking about like, your fears of slipping in the shower. No, I'm not saying I'm afraid of slipping in the shower, but it got me thinking – it got me thinking of the worst moment that I've ever had in the shower, and it was recently. And it was 
it was I was I have the the liquid soap thing. You know what I mean? You got the liquid soap and the dispenser. Yeah. Yeah, the dispenser. And I squirted it, and it was like 6:30 in the morning. And for some reason that day, it, that thing just shot out like a laser beam right into my eye. And it was, it, which sounds like okay, it's not a big deal, some soap came in your eye, but it felt like I had been shot by like a like a sniper. And it was in a, a cold, dark house at like 6, 10 in the morning where kids are sleeping. And I can't make a sound. So the pain is all mine. I have to just like take it. And it was it was tough. I had to like step out. I had to end the whole thing right there. Like I really wanted to cry. And it like stopped and, and stopped and just almost ruined my day for like minutes. I mean, then it, then it, then I recovered. It was I mean, okay. Yeah, it I mean, was a tough thing. I mean, these players go through a lot, but it's you know. pretty badass how you handled that eye full of Axe body wash. Uh, but uh, uh, I mean, I, I understand this. You know, you're running in place in the shower, like I do. I, I'm always burning calories. You, sometimes you slip, you get a concussion, you fall. I'm just glad the protocol is there. Uh, this reminds me. I want to talk a little bit about the movie. Oh, the movie Concussion that's sweeping the nation. Uh, everyone's either talking about Star Wars or Concussion, <laughs> oftentimes in the same sentence. Uh, kind of a big hit uh, with Not- the people. People, I mean, it's it's made hundreds of, of millions of dollars. Actually, it's um, eleven million dollars. It could, I mean, this is Tevin Coleman story couldn't have come at a worse time for the movie Concussion. Uh, but I'd like to just talk about the movie a little bit. I've seen it. How many times have you guys seen it? Concussion. I haven't seen it at all. Zero. Seen it? Brandon, zero times. Yeah, I've, it seems crazy. I've seen it eight times. <laughs> really? It's, yeah. It's what is as we're taping this. It's December thirtieth, so it's only been out for five days. So mm-hmm. you've I, had. I was, I was at, I was at the premiere. <laughs> and then twice a day for a couple of days, and then I just took some time off. Um, it's it's great, but uh, I didn't love it. I want to I want to read a couple of reviews that kind of sum up my feelings, and um, play a couple of clips from the movie. Let's let's play this first clip from the movie. This is this is Will Smith in uh, in the movie Concussion. Welcome to Earth. See, that was that was Will Smith in the movie punches a player in the head, <laughs> and then says, "Welcome to Earth." The players, he's like, "I've got a concussion." I'm, I don't even know what planet I'm on. And Will Smith punches him in the face <laughs> and then says, welcome to Earth. All right. This is why this is this, why this review makes sense to me. Gene Siskel called the movie Concussion a miscarriage of justice if Lady Justice tried to have an actual baby named Concussion. That's on the poster for the movie Concussion. You know, Brandon, play one more clip. Play another clip for me. I want to read another quote. You know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. And another ridiculous scene from the movie where Will Smith is talking to a player who had a concussion <laughs> and the guy is complaining about how this ruined his life. He, doesn't, he can't talk to his family. He's drinking too much. He's, he's having a problem. And Will Smith just puts on sunglasses and kind of says, you know what the difference between that, you and me? I make this look good. And then hits himself in the head with a hammer. <laughs> It's it's one of the weirdest moments from a movie I've seen all year, and this is why Roger Ebert said, Roger Ebert said, if you can only see one movie after you die, don't pick Concussion. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I, apparently, that's one of the rules, uh, and Ebert picked Concussion. Uh, he was upset about it. Um, uh, play, 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 do you have another clip, Brandon, from the movie? First of all, I would like to reiterate that you make one ugly woman. That, what what a, an insensitive thing to say to a player who is obviously going through a lot. The guy, at the time, the guy's in a hospital bed, and and Will Smith just walks in and just says that out of nowhere, <laughs> which I think is why Stanley Kaufman of the New Republic, uh, a famous... Um, I don't know Stanley Kaufman. Stanley I Kaufman? know I know uh, 
Stanley Kaufman is a famous... Siskel and Ebert, who you've mentioned. Yeah, uh, Siskel and Ebert, of course, is legendary to this day. Stanley Kaufman is 100 years old, mm. still writing, still reviewing for the New Republic, uh, said, it's like someone wiped my ass with a concussion. <laughs> and that was all he wrote. Like, the title of the review was just the word THIS in all caps, with an arrow pointing down. Like, someone wiped my ass with a concussion. Play, Brandon, play one more clip for me. I want to play one more review. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. Now, this, that was one of the most unbelievable scenes in the movie. A player gets a concussion. He's on the sidelines. And Will Smith walks up and says, you shouldn't play the game anymore. You should walk away. This isn't safe. And then the guy turns around. Will Smith turns him back around and then delivers that quote. <laughs> he said that you should never let anyone tell you what not to do. Mm. And then even me. And then the guy goes back on the field. Wow. Guy goes back on the field, scores a touchdown, and dies. That's, uh, that's what's having you go back eight times, huh? Yeah. Despite these reviews. I mean, I, you almost go – you almost hate watch it. You know what I mean? You're yeah. watching it. Like it's, it's uh, A lot of people in the theater – we're laughing. Uh, but Pauline Kael was not one of them. Pauline Kael, uh, famous, uh, the most famous critic in history, said this. This is her exact quote. More than I expected, more than anyone ever expected, concussion is filled with a sense of humor that is both crude and rude, with jarring, jarring shifts in tone. One moment, a doctor is seriously trying to explain a medical condition to his patient. And in the very next scene, the patient has taken off his diaper and has beaten the doctor to death with the diaper. And we don't even get to see it. The action happens off screen, and the audience is only informed of the beating by two nurses, both of them football players, who are then beaten to death by the diaper brandished by Mike Webster's ghost. A lot of spoilers. That was Roger Goodell. Uh, great thing about that song is that I remember when he first wrote it, he was like, I don't know who my muse is yet. Mm. I don't know who I'm going to get to sing it. Yeah. I don't know who is going to be Gloria Estefan. That's who was trying for a while. I don't know who this girl is. Sounds like a young Nina Cherry, mm. uh, but she was great. She was really, uh, she was really she, good. She's the uh, like Aaliyah to his Timbaland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. She died in a plane crash. Speaking of uh, concussions um, and parts of the show that might get edited out, (laughs) (laughs) Johnny Manziel um, suffered a concussion during last week's game and uh, rough performance for for Johnny in Kansas City, but he didn't know it until Wednesday morning. He showed up uh, not feeling well, reported to the Browns, but that's not why we're talking about him today. We're talking about the video, again, that came out of him uh, and his coach was forced to you know, answer questions about it that was posted on on a website of him on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, you know, rapping and drinking for loco, uh, which I believe has been banned, hasn't it? Been? I think or at least it was in New York. It definitely in New York. Maybe I it's think. cool in Ohio. But either way, you know, it seemed relatively harmless. But uh, once again, uh, Johnny Manziel questioned about his off field and Mike Pettin, his coach, has to answer questions about it. And he should. And I don't – I mean, when you publicly go to rehab, you cannot be shown on video drinking. You have to be a little better than that. He's clearly at his house with, like, two friends. And I would feel bad for him. I would legitimately feel bad if it wasn't for the fact that in all of these videos, he is rapping directly into the camera. <laughs> it's not like it's someone's from the side, like, oh, Johnny's trying to be careful, but somebody snuck, a, like, a picture. He knows it's happening. 
he sees it going on and he's involved. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to let everyone know that I like this song and that I have a major drinking problem. <laughs> I don't care. Who knows about it? Uh, please put it on camera. If I was drinking, if you and I were drinking together and we started rapping along to a song and you pulled out your camera, I'd be like, put that away right now. Right. You're going to embarrass me. Plus, it's for loco. I mean, if you're trying to show that you're maturing, you're growing up, you're ready to take care of the franchise, for loco is the last thing that that you would want to be drinking. It's just like the most doofus thing possible. And and like, d- don't you wish you loved something in the world like as much as Johnny Manziel loves rapping into a camera? Like, he just loves it. Airbus. That's, that's Damn right. Uh, I mean, that's like that's his thing. I mean, he just he sees that camera and he has to go straight to it. Makes a beeline. He, that's why he's a star. That's why Johnny Johnny Football is a star. I wouldn't wanna dance without you. Without you, I would rather be alone. And unless my arms can hold you and tenderly enfold you, I'm really twice as happy on my own. That was, again, Roger Goodell. Uh, that song, it's not a popular song, but the video was popular. Remember the video for that, the Goodell shot? Mm-hmm. Remember, what was the name of the, uh, the R&B star? He had an album come out this past year, um, but he was famous. He had a fam- D'Angelo? D'Angelo. Remember the famous How D'Angelo How did I get video? that from that description? Because That's you only know good. three black people. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was just like the D'Angelo video, but it's Goodell singing that song as the camera kind of pans up and down. <laughs> Edited because parents just don't understand. But the camera, it just it plays with angles. It was it was pretty, uh, it was pretty sexy. It was, maybe that'll get edited, but it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty sexy. Brandon definitely showing off Goodell's uh, versatility today. A lot of different types of sounds. I mean, I came to play. I know that uh, Anthony needs everyone to step up. So no, I was giving up. Goodell credit. Right? I know, Not but I, I got with Goodell to make sure that we put out some masterpieces. Yeah, I feel like uh, you did get me a birthday present, Brandon. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins this week uh, helped the Redskins win the NFC East, but really the most memorable thing he did was right before halftime. They had six seconds to go. He was supposed to throw a fade to the end zone. He inexplicably, instead of throwing that pass or at least just spiking the ball and moving on to the next play, he inexplicably took a knee and time ran out at the end of the half. It was one of the most amazing, just improbable, dumb things I've ever seen on a football field. Yeah, it took three points off the board for sure. Or seven, yeah. Uh, yeah, or seven, but definitely three. I mean, certainly three. That was a, that was a gimme field goal from there. Um, I, what I like about this, and you were like, should we even talk about it? It's not that big a deal. The fact that it's not that big a deal is what's a big deal to me. Because they won the game, Kirk Cousins is being praised. I've seen people be like, oh, how amazing he didn't fall apart in the second half. Yeah, I sort of did that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like, are you kidding me? Like, the, I love about the NFL, and I, most sports in general, but definitely the NFL, where if you make a bonehead play and your team still wins, you are 100% forgiven yep. across the board. Now, can you think of any examples of someone making a, a, like a, just an idiotic play like on that level and getting trashed for it when they still won the game? People remember Garo, uh, Garo, your premium. He was the uh, kicker in the Dolphins' perfect season, I believe. That uh, you know, he fumbled, he fumbled the field goal, and then he tried to get up and just throw the ball, but it slipped out of his hands, and the other team returned it for a touchdown. I think that was a Super Bowl. They at that at that point, I believe they had a shutout, and it was their perfect season, and so they were going to have a shutout in their perfect season, and and still to this day, his teammates. Talk trash about him for doing that. So yeah, people remember that. I feel like that's more of a kick. Leon Lett. How about Leon Lett? 
That's true. Leon Lett, I think, but but Leon Lett, I mean, in the Super Bowl, Don Beebe knocks the pa- knocks the ball out of his hands. Yeah. Right? He's about to cross the end zone. I think he got more crap for that because of the Dolphins game, where he screwed out. He screwed the Cowboys out Again, of again. Yeah. And he, so it was like a it was a double thing. And the name Leon Lett just sounds like you want to make fun of him. Do you well, know what I mean? If someone else had done that, I don't know if they would have gotten as much uh, guff. Well, you're right. I always used to think about this when part of my job for Roto World, my old job was you know, reading every newspaper article essentially about a team. And if you won, all four or five of them are totally positive and extolling the virtues of everything that happened well that day. And if you lost, all five of them are negative and just hammering or picking on, you know, whatever went wrong. And there was no in between. Like there's no recognition of, I was close. Some things went pretty well, uh, but it was just unlucky that they lost or whatever. When luck means so much. There's like no gray. It's just all black and white. Who was it who had the quote? He was like, if you listen to people up in the stands, pretty soon you'll be sitting with them. Ooh. It was a coach. I don't know if it wasn't. It, it, it sounds like a Parcells type thing to say. Yeah. Could have been a basketball. Could have been like a Pat Riley. But whatever it was, uh, it's clear that your job is pointless. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was uh, part of Roger Goodell's techno bath time. That was a huge, uh, huge hit with the kids. Um, God, that was, I mean, that was a, that's a bad song. And they were like, you know what we need is a little bit of laughter. A little bit of laughter. Um, here's a good that, that album was really like his, uh, his uh, 808s and Heartbreak. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That con- mm-hmm. When Kanye came out with that, it totally changed you know, the momentum of what he was doing. A lot of people were just like, what is this, Roger yeah. Goodell? But now people look back on it and think like, that's, oh, that's, that's a classic. Oh, because his mom just died. Um, <laughs> next uh, <laughs> next uh, story is about, uh, is about family, too. <laughs> Edited for Yo Home, Smell You Later. Well, I've been looking for kind of the origin story of why you're such a jerk mm-hmm. for 15 years, and now I know it. That was another uh, cut off of Bath Time with Goodell. I wish you'd left it play a little longer because when the when the beat drops out, it is uh, the beat drops in. I don't know. I don't know this kind of music, but whatever happens is magical. Yeah, great uh, song to dance to. Here's our last headline. This is a long show. Yeah, it really is. We'll uh, we can cruise through the rest, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about this week, including Eric Weddle, the Chargers safety, who I, I just started mentioning before. His daughter. Uh, was getting down, you know, speaking of great dancing, at halftime of uh, the Chargers game over, I think it was a week and a half, or their last game, which was two weeks ago now. But it just came out in the in the news that Weddle was fined by the team $10,000 for conduct uh, dentrobets to the team, essentially, for not going in with the team to halftime because he wanted to watch his daughter. And there, there's a little bit of a backstory here. They... He's been mad that they haven't offered him a new contract. He's a five-time All-Pro. Uh, he's you know been there a long time, and it's it's kind of a, they're going to have a, a divorce, and it's getting a little messy. He wanted to watch his daughter perform. It's the last time they were ever going to be playing there, and they fined him ten thousand dollars. Not only that, they've stuck him on injured reserve this week and won't allow him to travel to their last game. So there's a lot going on here. 
Uh, and it's it's to me, it's such a jerk move. I mean, how much time are you ever going to have to see your daughter perform at an NFL halftime show? He knows it'll never happen again in San Diego and that they're about to leave, leave town after being there 10 years. And it seems very petty by the Chargers. Yeah, but in their defense, his daughter's dancing was garbage. Ah, uh, where you been hiding that? That was great. That was Saving that was bat. Goodell hitting us with the funk. A lot of people kind of were mad at him for doing that voice, but I think you know if the song calls for it, the song calls for it, and Goodell nailed it. Uh, let's take it into recommendation station, Greg. Our uh, weekly feature where we, we recommend something. Yeah, we recommend something. Uh, usually, we try to pick. A, I try to make us uh, stick to a topic, either books or movies or TV shows, whatever. I don't even care about any of that. All I'm recommending right now is Hateful Eight. The movie The Hateful Eight is so good. If you're listening to this podcast, you will be a fan. I would. I mean, I can't believe any women would want to see this movie. It's a very. It's one of the most uh, masculine movies that's ever been made. More this than Kill Bill. Yes, more than Kill Bill, because uh, that's like about like a daughter. Like this is, the, and even though uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is inc- maybe one of the best performances in the movie, it is such a great badass western. That and The Revenant coming out mm. uh, like they did together is is uh, unprecedented. But go see The Hateful Eight. Anything anything bad you've heard about it is a lie. It's incredible, Greg. What do you got? Uh, I'm gonna go with three things that are connected. They all led to. The, each other for me. I watched Listen Up, Philip. Before you, but, but you know, before I'll be quick into, about before it. Before you do this, this is one of the reasons that I want to quit the podcast. But go ahead. What? No, go ahead. Take your time. What's one of the reasons? I'm not taking my time. Uh, <laughs> Listen Up, Philip on Amazon. That, I don't know how that fell under the radar. That's an incredible movie. Jason Schwartzman's such a jerk in it. He's so great. It's probably my favorite role he's ever done. The whole movie. It's. It's a little offbeat, but it's it's enjoyable. I agree. I like the movie a lot, but I, I, it's hard to recommend to people because, I mean, for me anyway, because I can see someone not like okay. it. But, I, but I, I'm not surprised. So that got me in the mood a little bit to read some Philip Roth. If you're a Philip Roth fan, you'll especially love that book because it was a movie that was sort of based on him, yet it really wasn't. But if there was a book it was based on, it was probably The Ghostwriter by Philip Roth, which is one of my favorite books by his. So I went back and read that book. That's a great book. And in that book, he imagines uh, that Anne Frank lived and ended up moving to uh, America. I'm not really giving anything away here. And uh, became you know, a, a writer, essentially. And it's one of my favorite Philip Roth books. And it, it got me thinking, I've never read The Diary of Anne Frank. I know this is a very weird recommendation, but The Diary of Anne Frank, I decided to read that after reading the Philip Roth. It's an amazing book. It's one of those things that people recommend to you in school, and you're like, okay, I guess. I never got... I never... Uh, was forced to read it in school. It just seemed like one of those things you would never want to read. Like, it's an incredible book, an incredibly written. It's very positive, actually. It's not a hard... I mean, it's a little bit of a downer, of course, but it's very positively written. She's like an incredible writer. Just as a piece of art, I recommend it very highly, even as an adult. Yes, that is shocking. That's what I'm saying. No one would ever say that, so someone's got to say it. Um, you're gonna be the one to back. She's got a museum. Like everyone has talked about uh, Anne Frank, and you're, but you're the one who's uh, taking a stand against the Nazis, Greg. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, no, I don't, I don't hear people really talking about as like that's that's something that they would actually enjoy it, reading. It's just something like everyone says they read or whatever. I never, I never. No read one it. says they read it. It's a, it's a really great book. I've got it on tape. God, that was so good. That was that was again. That was Roger Goodell. Uh, that's like when you. That's the kind of song that you play when you're a little bit closer to Jacksonville. 
You know what I mean? When you're like, when you're about like 15 miles away, and you just want to chill before you really the fireworks really kick off, you play that. What's the name of that song, Brandon? Uh, I can't really release it. Okay. Okay, that's a good improv. Let's go. Uh, what's next, Greg? Uh, it's Ask Anthony. Ooh. Of course. Uh, Malcolm McSween uh, asked our question this week. So thanks, Malcolm. Uh, he asked Anthony if you could do the color announcing uh, for a football game. Not uh, the women's beach volleyball that uh, Brandon <laughs> does, but if you could do color announcing for a football game, who would you want uh, doing the play-by-play? Ooh, uh, that's good. I would love to do color announcing for a game. I'm sure the NFL will make that happen at some point. I I, could, I would definitely be better than Tony Siragusa, who I like but do not enjoy watching him on television. No, he's terrible. Uh, I, I would want in the booth, uh, definitely I'd want Dennis Miller. Mm. I'd want uh, Tony Kornheiser. I want those two up there. If you get, get that dream team together, that would be incredible. And then uh, Greg Rosenthal. Ooh. I think if I'm going to be on, if I'm going to be working with, uh, with the league, I want Greg Rosenthal to be a part of it. And you actually – did some commentary on football games for Tulane. Uh, I I don't know if you know, I remember that. I've never listened to them, but I remember you would talk about it. Yeah. I remember I always liked your joke that you would do where anytime a player was a fifth-year senior, you would describe, you would say, hmm, must be an architecture major. <laughs> and I always thought that was a great running gag that you should have gotten in trouble for and did not. I had a lot of running gags because they only showed it during the, it was on tape delay. You know, we'd record it during the game, but then it would just be on student television during the week. So, Brandon, you're not the only... Uh, color announcer that ever did it look at you two lane green way shot i think brandon prefers african-american announcer <laughs> is that what i prefer yes listener of the week on itunes <laughs> this week uh is from the empties she's saying it could be uh my favorite podcast i listen to a lot of podcasts most are comedy music or sports but this has it all it's very rough around the edges with a capital very <laughs> and it's completely flawed in almost every way <laughs> it's perfect my favorite part is wondering if they're going to get canceled don't change a thing touchdown touchdown airbus and there we go that's our listener nice of the week nice letter That was awesome. That was awesome. That was like, I think that was Goodell's, uh, he calls that song Stepping Through a Waterfall, uh, which, is, which is just badass. Like the steam is rising up. Like you can just see, oh, God, I love, I love when he goes, uh, when he goes and when he mixes genres. Mm. Everything was coming together for him at that point in his career. It was kind of the commercial, the art. It was all happening. Mm-hmm. Um, just like it's all happening for our hot take of the week. Hot take. Usually my uh, my corner of the show where I, I you know take someone to task for their uh, opinion that I don't necessarily yeah, agree you th- with. You throw a colleague, but you had bus. a really passionate uh, feeling this week. Yeah, I think that this the hot take that uh, the hot take that I loved this week was from the wife of Dolphins cornerback Brent Grimes, uh, uh, his wife Miko. Uh, Miko Grimes That's right. uh, had, had went to Twitter, went to uh, her private Twitter account. I don't know how these got out. Went to a private Twitter account and had some opinions, had some hot takes that were hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Greg, we're running out of time. Just, try, just yeah, we got plenty we, of time. It's, we got it's a podcast. Yeah, we got. Sure, I was just trying to keep things flowing. Okay. See how many of these that you can read. Read some, me some of your favorite tweets. Okay. From Miko Grimes, hot takes. Okay. Well, first she's talking about. Um, three reporters on the that cover the team. The Triple A's: Armando, Andrew, and Adam. Edited from Miko Grimes, getting grimy. 
<laughs> that's that's a good one. So according to these <laughs> boys, y'all call reporters. The D has to hold teams to 12 points per game since that's what our offenses a- offense averages lately. Uh, she said, I should have known we were going to lose. This is my favorite one, and this one can absolutely stay in the podcast. There's no swearing in it at all, but it's actually the most cutting. I should have known we were going to lose when I heard we didn't sing- complete a single pass in two-minute drills this week against the practice squad defense. So good. Here's why I love this hot take for these hot takes from Miko Grimes is that Mika was throwing everyone under the bus. She's throwing reporters under the bus. She's throwing her quarterback under the bus. She's throwing her own own team under the bus and her husband. Because the, no one sees that and thinks anything other than her husband told her about practice, and she's going out and tweeting it. She knows she's getting him in trouble. I, uh, I, I love this. I love when wives just completely act out and, and kind of lose their minds and get their husbands in trouble because no one knows what to do. If Mika was his girlfriend, she'd be gone. No one, and no one on that team, or at least Brent Grimes, seems to care. This morning, Wednesday morning, he did an interview, and everyone's been act, you know asking about this they're calling it miko gate in, <laughs> in miami first of all ryan Tannehill made this really serious uh comment that it's a distraction to him and the team so he joins now kirk cousins and andy dalton as quarterbacks it just oh that is such a reveal for uh yeah. ryan Tannehill. yeah do not do not talk like that ryan Tannehill. i just I but Bri- brent grimes this morning uh so he he was getting interviewed by the team and like all the other guys around him were just like laughing and cracking up and some were taking selfies of themselves <laughs> because they thought this whole topic was so ridiculous and the team actually posted the interview on their website before realizing it was a disaster <laughs> and then took it down after like 10 minutes this all that says to me is that Miko Grams must be smoking hot That was a B-side from Goodell. That was kind of an earlier track. I think that turned into something later on. Uh, I think that's like an early cut. It's kind of like a, on the um, double album. Kind of sucks, though, that he got a phone call during the song. Mm, Did you hear that? that? Kind of sucks that you made a joke during my podcast. Oh, wee! <laughs> that's the hot stuff. That's some Miko Grimes-level stuff. I mean, Miko had some other hot ones. I was almost, I was just ready to give him out. Couldn't have predicted that, but you can predict predictions. Let's get into that. Uh, this this new segment of predictions I have uh, is called Guess What. Um, Greg's going to do a couple, like f- three or four predictions, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to tell you to guess what. Uh, I'm going to start with the Chargers Broncos. Uh, go big early in this segment. I think this is the upset of the week. I think the Chargers, who've been playing great defense lately, no one's noticed over the last month, given lots of teams' problems. I think they're going to go into Denver. I think they're going to win the game. At the very least, they're going to scare Denver that they might have to lose that AFC West and the Chiefs sneak in the back door end up winning that division because the Chargers pull it off in Denver. Mm. <clears throat> you know, everyone is saying that Green Bay is going to take out Minnesota. But guess what? Edited from Miko Grimes being a little too Miko, which is why people still get confused to this day. Did Jesus have a twin brother? We may never know, but we'll probably know sooner than you think. Vikings win. I don't know what's going to make it out of that. The Patriots and the Jets, I mean, and the Dolphins are playing this week. Patriots need the win in Miami to lock up the number one seed. Very banged up right now. But as Miko Grimes has pointed out, 
this team is just dying. Uh, another one of my, I'll just let Miko take the words from here. Here's one more tweet from her. My column. That really cracks me up. My column, how many people does Ryan Tannehill have to get fired before you realize he's the problem? He's going to get more people fired this week. Patriots win 37-3. to I like that uh, Miko Grimes' uh, Twitter account is at iHeartMiko. Anyways, yeah, go on. It's <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Please read that last one. We, All we, right, last, last Miko Grimes. It's like Tannehill <laughs> drops a drop of in y'all mouth like a mother feeding her baby birds in her nest. <laughs> Love it. And then she has the emojis. Yeah. Like the crying emojis crazy. when people, like, they want to have characters that are laughing at the joke they just had. I think that's fun. Uh, all right. All the so-called experts are saying that Atlanta is going to ride their momentum and take out New Orleans. But guess what? Now that fewer and fewer people are choosing to smoke cigarettes, this is your time to shine. Buy cartons of them and throw them wherever. Don't worry. People know it's you. You're the man. You've got it. And by it, I mean M. And where I'm from, you smoke if you got them. Game ends in a tie. My third game, Seahawks and Cardinals. Uh, big game. It, you could argue these are two of the best three teams in the entire NFL. I know the Seahawks just had a bad loss. Not a lot at stake for the Seahawks. A lot at stake for the Cardinals, who's still going after that number one seed. And I think the Cardinals, as I've said on this program, are the best team in the league. I think they're going to go into the playoffs on a 10-game winning streak and take care of business over Seattle at home. Ooh. You know, everyone and their mother believes that Washington is going to beat Dallas this week. But you know why they play the games, right? For statistics. It's not money. Sure, they pay these guys to practice and work out in the offseason, but everyone plays the game for the stats. Who can write down the most stats? Me, over here, I'll do it. Not so fast. Interception. Just another stat. No idea who's going to win this game. Too close to even predict. <laughs> wow. Uh, your prediction's just getting worse and worse as we go. Uh, the Jets and the Bills uh, this week. Could the Jets actually open up the door for Seattle, I mean, uh, Pittsburgh, to get into the play? I think they could. I think the Bills are going to scare them. You're going to be watching this game. You're going to be watching the Steelers. And the Jets are going to win at the very end on another Ryan Fitzpatrick late drive. I think it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a tense, fun Sunday afternoon early games. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be getting drunk at 10 a.m. I'll tell you that right now. Will you be here? Will you be here at the network or yes? Watch the game. Can I come here? If I came, if I showed up with like a case of Four Loco, would they let me just watch games? No. no? They would let you on the old uh, NFL Now couch. You could drink Four Loco on that. I think they've drank on that. Okay. You really could. Uh, a lot of people think the Steelers are going to beat the Browns and stay in the race for the final wild card spot in the AFC. But guess what? Chicken butt. Steelers win in a f- blowout. <laughs> Goodell wrote that. Now, Greg, before we leave, this has been a long one. I'm sure we have to edit out huge chunks of this giant swaths of the podcast this week uh, but before we go i want to take a little time how are presents aside how are my god kids how are your son and daughter uh, walker and ellis doing well you made a big impression on them uh when you came over for christmas happy After- new year <laughs> Hi. 
Hi and hello football fans, your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life.